0: I mentioned that we're not going to do Joshua again until February we're probably thinking we're still in Joshua? yes I do intend to finish Joshua we took a break for the holidays Um, the second half will probably go more quickly than the first half but we will get back into Joshua today I thought we could revisit an old friend of ours from the summer remember in the summer we studied Philippians and we got real close with Paul as he was in that house of rest there writing to his one of his favorite churches in Philippi. As he was writing that letter, and we covered this during the summer, but I'm sure that we can use a refresher. In the midst of that letter, he wrote about a transformation that was taking place inside of him. When that transformation was complete, Paul would be perfect. Paul was looking forward to a day when he would be perfect. When he would be just like Jesus Christ. It's the same transformation that began in each of you and in me when we accepted Christ. When you accept Christ, it's a rebirth. That's how the Bible describes it. You're born again. And just like a baby, you grow. You grow into that new life. Lillian is, oh, i to be a terrible father to be wrong, I'm like 10 months old now. <laughs> I knew it, I just was a little unconfident. Lily is 10 months old now, and she's growing really fast. And last night, I was getting her ready for bed, and I put on her pajamas, and she got a bunch of new pajamas for Christmas. This particular pair was way too big, but it was the only clean pair that she happened to have nearby, so I went ahead and put them on. And she crawls. She doesn't walk yet. So she's crawling all through the house with these tentacles hanging off the back of her because they're funny pajamas. And she's the cutest thing in the world because there's a little ball of her somewhere in those pajamas that's moving around. But behind her is just these two pajama legs hanging off. And she looks like some kind of sea creature that we rescued (laughs) that's living with us. But we're not going to put those pajamas away. We'll keep them handy because she's going to grow into them. She's going to grow into them really soon probably. It happens fast. You guys who, your kids are grown up. You make sure that we know that it happens fast. Because every time you see them, you're like, you enjoy it now. Because they're going to grow up. They're going to turn into this one day. (laughs) Enjoy it now. Because that's what babies grow. If they don't, there's something wrong. Now, Paul is talking about the new life, how we grow. And if you're not growing in your new life, there's something wrong. So, I want to read to you what he says in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, about this transformation. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 15. Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that from which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's complicated wording there toward the end. Let me repeat it. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's how Paul puts it. I want to read a parallel passage from Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some suspected it was Paul. I'm not going to venture a guess because I, I don't know. But here's what they say. Therefore, it's uh, Hebrews 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance... And the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Did you guys know, while we're on the subject, that the Winter Olympics are going to take place in February in Vancouver? Is anybody a fan of the Winter Olympics? Some people are nodding their heads. Some people have no idea. In Vancouver, in February, the Winter Olympics will take place. Prior to the Olympics... There's a a big deal when the torch makes its way to the place where the Olympics will take place. They light the fire in Greece, and then somehow they transport it, in this case, to Canada. And then they have a really long relay of, of runners with the torch, with the Olympic flame. That's not supposed to burn out. And so it's a relay. Individuals get the privilege of running with that torch for a leg of the relay, and they pass it off to someone else takes over 100 days. They're going to go through more than 1,000 communities. And if you can participate in it, it's, it's a great honor. I almost think Meredith may have participated in it one year. No? She's looking at me like I'm crazy. You ran something like that, didn't you? Never mind. That's a conversation for later. I don't know why I thought that. You have to confirm your facts before you state them from the pulpit. <laughs> I'm worried about that. But in, in Canada, Monday, there was a, a lady. She's 28 years old. Her name was Courtney Hanson. And it was her turn to run part of that relay. The Sunday prior, last Sunday, she wrote on her Facebook account, I'm excited, I'm nervous, and I hope I don't trip. Because, quote, that would be a nightmare. So the Monday comes, she's almost through the last leg of her part of the relay. And she's rounding a a corner there. She's in sort of a small town. She's rounding the corner. There's probably a thousand people around watching. It's a big deal when the Olympic torch comes through a small town picture coming through Mint Hill or something. People would come to watch. She rounds the corner and there's a big group of about 30 protesters there. They weren't supposed to be there. And she runs right into this group of 30 protesters. I don't know what they were protesting. I don't know what they would have been protesting about the Olympics. You guys may know. That doesn't even, it's not important anyway. But she runs into this group of protesters and it's unclear if she was pushed just the result of the confusion of running into them but she fell this happened Monday she fell and I saw the picture she had the torch and it was kind of under her on the ground it was sort of rainy. it was on the wet pavement she fell the torch fell but the flames didn't go out and you know what she did she got up and yeah I imagine she brushed herself off and she got her way out of that group of protesters and she kept going And she finished her part of the relay. She had a goal she was heading toward. She didn't sit there. She didn't sit down and just hold her head and and sulk over the embarrassment of having fallen in front of all these people. She didn't stay there and argue with the people who had gotten in her way. She had to move on. She had to leave that behind. She was on a mission. She had to move on toward her goal. And she didn't pick up any of those protesters and try to tuck them along with her. She left it all behind. So the question I think that confronts us this morning, this is a companion sermon to last week, I guess. As we're entering into this new year, this new decade, what is it that you need to just leave behind? I suspect that every one of us came in here with something that we just need to leave in 2009. What is it that you just need to let go of so that you, like Paul, can press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? What is it, what encumbrance has entangled you that you need to lay aside so that you can move forward toward the goal? I'm going to share some scriptures this morning that might... Stir your thoughts as to what it might be. And I want you to be praying as we proceed through the service. Just God, please reveal to me what is it that's holding me back that I need to just let go of and forget. Show me how to disentangle myself from whatever it is so that I can move forward. It's a new year. I mean, think about 2009. Your life advanced another year in 2009. But toward a what do you have to show for 2009? See, my hope is at the end of 2010, even though your bank account may look the same or might have a little more or a little less money, even though you may have gained a few extra pounds or whatever it is, my hope is that at the end of 2010 you can look back at the beginning of it and say, I was able to press on. I have made progress toward the goal of becoming Christlike, like Paul is talking about. And the writer of Hebrews is talking about. So be praying. What, what is it that you might need to leave behind. In 2009. I going to go through some scriptures. For some possibilities. But before I do. I want you to really picture. Picture yourself. I mean really think about this for you. This sermon is for you. And you and you and you, very specifically. Now, I want you to picture yourself. Just free. From Whatever may have been holding you back from pressing on in the goal of becoming Christ-like. Whatever it is, I imagine it's different for everybody. Just envision yourself free from that and able to proceed, able to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, able to love your neighbor as yourself, free to grow into your new life in Christ. That's the goal. For some of you, maybe it's regret. Paul, when he wrote that in Philippians, that comes right after a passage where he describes his former life. In Paul's former life, he was a really religious Jew that participated in the torture and murder of Christians. And at his hands, men, and and I suspect women, were tortured and killed for being Christians, which he later realized Christ really was who he said he was. And by the grace of God, he was able to repent and turn from that. But you have to imagine, there were nights when those screams were echoing in his memory. And he could see those faces. Now when he, that passage where he says, one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I press on toward what's ahead. I have to imagine that's connected to, those, to that memory that he just described of his former life. He says, one thing I do, I'm not perfect yet, but I, I forget this. I'm forgetting that so I can move forward. And I suspect some of you have regrets. You just need to leave here this morning. You need to stop nursing them. You need to forget them so you can move forward. What do you regret your regrets? I regret how I just pronounced regret. Maybe you're like Woody Allen. I saw a quote from him. And he says, my one regret in life... Is that I was not someone else. Maybe it's all regret when you look back. And I've heard, you know, I'm relatively young. And some of you are relatively less young. But I've heard that you know you're old when your dreams have been replaced by regrets. Is that true for you? I think it's just time to let these things go. Some of you are haunted by these things. Maybe it's sin. I want you to really pray. God, reveal to me what regrets I need to let go. Remove them from me and replace them with with trust, with acceptance of where I am. If it's sin, you know, last week we talked about the path to freedom from these things is really the Word. It's remembering, considering, responding to the Word. Maybe regret is over sin. I'm not going to flip there. I'm going to just try to quote it and probably get it wrong. but It'll be close. If your regret is over sin that you've committed, but you've been forgiven, but you can't stop remembering it, maybe for you, you need to write down Romans 8.1. Maybe you need to write down Romans 8.1 and memorize it, meditate on it, soak it in. That's the verse that says something like, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let that truth dominate your thoughts. Not not whatever the the regret is that you have. Maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's mistakes or bad decisions. For you, you may need to write down Romans 8.28. That's the verse that says that God works all things for good for those who love Him. Or called according to His purposes. Your mistakes, we've all made mistakes. Your bad decisions that you regret... You know, it's in the past. You're where you are. You are where you are. It's time to let those things go. And trust that God will work those things for good. What do you need to just let go so you can move forward? Someone has said that the two saddest words in the American language are if only. If only I hadn't done fill in the blank. If only I had done fill in the blank. If only this had gone different. Replace those words in your mind, in your heart. With Romans 8.28, God can work all things for the good of those who love him, including the bad things He can work those things for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. It's time to let it go here. Don't let it hold you back this year. Maybe it's not regret, maybe it's fear. Fear works itself out in a number of ways. Um, who in here, go ahead and raise your hand. We're, this is church. We're here to love each other. Who here would describe themselves as a warrior? Not a warrior like someone who battles people, but a warrior. Okay, right, Some people are honest enough to admit it. I have to admit that that's me, and it's never been the case until the last couple years. But it's me too. I saw some research that was done. It was a biblical counselor who... Had a case, it was a client that came in and she was just the biggest worrier that he'd ever encountered. So here's the assignment that he gave her He said, Get a journal and a pen, write down all the worrisome thoughts that come into your mind. Just through the day, write them all down. I mean, it's going to be tedious, but do it. And so she did, and over the weeks, a clear pattern started to emerge. All her worries fell into pretty clear categories. Now, I'm going to share this with you because I suspect it's probably pretty close to how we are in our worries. So, 40% of what she wrote down that that consumed her thoughts with worry and anxiety were things that would never happen. They would never even
1: happen.
0: 40% of it, that's the bulk of it. It reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 34. He says, Who of you by worrying can add one day to your life? It doesn't do you any good. We people have said worrying must work because most of the stuff I worry about doesn't happen. Forty percent of what she worried about would never even happen anyway. 30% of what she worried about was stuff that had already happened, kind of what we just talked about. Stuff that had already happened, there was nothing that could be done about it. But it just plagued her with anxiety. The the, the Dalai Lama has said, and I I think there's wisdom in in this that he says, that if a a problem has a solution, then there's no reason to worry about it. And if a problem has no solution, then there's no reason to worry about it. Think about that. I think that's true. 40% of stuff that would never happen, 30% of stuff that had already happened, nothing could be done. 12% was worry about what other people thought about her. When after a little examination, she realized that doesn't matter anyway. Because usually if they're thinking bad stuff or saying bad stuff, it's coming from their own insecurities, their own sin. There's no point in worrying about that either. 10% was health concerns. Health concerns can be real, but worrying about it doesn't do you any good. It makes it worse. There's all kinds of research about how worry puts incredible strain on your body. So the worrying was actually aggravating the health that she was worried about. So the last 8% is what this counselor termed legitimate. Those were worries that were actually driving her to some action step that needed to take place in order for her to proceed. And he called that legitimate. I don't even know really still if that's still legitimate. Because you don't need to worry, you just need to you know move ahead and take care of things. So what about you? Where do your worries fall in those things? I think some of us need to leave our fear behind in 2009. For us, maybe our meditation needs to be on Romans 8. I will read this one because I'm not as confident about it. Romans 8.15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba's like Daddy, Father. As Christians, you don't have a spirit that leads to of, that leads to slavery, to fear. You're a son and a daughter of God. Now think about my little ones. Well, Lily and Lives. they're very helpless, you know. They could theoretically have a lot to worry about. But they're my son and my daughter. And I'm going to take care of them. They don't need to be slaves to fear. And all the power that God's given me, I'm going to take care of them. As a Christian, you are God's son, you're God's daughter. And when we worry, it's basically not trusting Him. He's going to take care of you. This one's personal to me because, and in the spirit of just transparency and honesty, I want to be honest with you. Uh, I hope that we can cultivate that kind of culture in the church where we'll actually share our troubles with each other and support each other. But this sermon's for me too. The big thing that I'm praying about, I'm hoping and praying that God will give me the grace to leave behind in 2009, is fear. My fear has never taken the form of, oh, what's going to happen in the future? I don't know. I've never, I never—I should probably think about that a lot more, really. I don't tend to think that way. I tend to just take whatever's coming and go with the flow. My fear is of people. I, honestly, I'm just going to be really honest. I fear you often. I don't fear that you're going to like punch me in the throat or something. I fear that my decisions, my leadership, what I say is not going to be pleasing to you. I do. And I would imagine that it has held our church back this year. I mean, by the grace of God, I feel like this year has gone well. Man, I am pleading with God. Help me leave this fear behind. It's tangling me up. It's making it to where I can't say what needs to be said. With confidence and clarity because sometimes I'm more afraid of you and what you'll think than I'm afraid of God and what he thinks. And that means that basically I'm worshiping you over God. And I cannot love you while I'm afraid of you. So by the grace of God, I'm leaving this behind in 2009. So if you come around the corner and say, boo, I'm not going to jump. I'm not afraid of you (laughs) There's another pastor named Francis Chan. Has anybody heard of Francis Chan? He's written some pretty popular books. I thought you would have, Melvin. <laughs> he's written some pretty popular books, and they're, they're quite good. I'd recommend them. Um, but he's sort of a hip pastor out in California, I'm pretty sure. And his church is you know, thousands of people, and it's booming. And he writes in one of his books, his book's called Crazy Love. He writes in, in that book a story about a Christmas season at that church. When he was so plagued by fear and anxiety That during the Christmas Eve service He turned to his wife and said I'm going to do my best to make it through this service But afterwards I want you to take me to the emergency room and He thought he was having a meltdown He thought he might be having a heart attack But during that Christmas service By the grace of God God spoke to him He was able to just get, he, The way he phrases it I just gave it over to God <coughs> I just gave it up to him. I just laid it aside. And he didn't have to go to the emergency room. He was okay. That's what I want for you guys. That's what I want for me. I want us to, by the grace of God, to be able to lay, lay this stuff aside. So pray, God, what worries, what fears do I have that I need to leave behind so that I can progress? Some of you, be honest with yourself. Some of you have not progressed in your Christian walk Inches and years Why? What's holding you up? And I don't want this to be like a guilt sermon Where you go out of here feeling like Oh God, he's right, I've got to do this, this, and this I am a terrible person I don't want you walking out of here feeling more burdened I want you walking out of here feeling free from this stuff It's not that you have to grow as a Christian You get to If we can lay this stuff behind, others of you, your fear may not look like worry, it may look more like control, by the way. People who try to wrangle every aspect of their life and it just it's making you go crazy, let it go. Maybe it's not regret or fear. Maybe it's sin. He talks more about that specifically in the Hebrews passage. Maybe it's sin. Either sin that you're ensnared in right now, you can't stop, or unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin can hold you up seriously in your Christian walk. You guys know David in the Bible, the man after God's own heart. He was a a good godly example, but he was imperfect. And you probably remember the story of him and Bathsheba, right? He, instead of going out with, with the men of war Where he probably should have been. He was lounging around on his roof. And he looked down and he saw a beautiful woman bathing on another roof. And he sent his people (laughs) to bring her to him. He was with her. Found out she was pregnant. Didn't confess it. Didn't come forward. Didn't repent. Instead he tried to cover it up by bringing her real husband Uriah home from war. Hoping that they would be together so he could trick him into thinking it was his child. But that didn't work. When that didn't work, did he repent and confess and humble himself? No. He made arrangements to have Uriah put at the front of the, the battle lines so he'd be killed. And he could take Bathsheba and his wife and it wouldn't look so bad. And that's what he did. He, he basically murdered Uriah after committing adultery and conjuring up all kinds of deceit to cover it up. And here's what he writes during that experience. Or reflecting back on that experience in Psalm 32, you don't have to flip here just listen to it Psalm 32 here's what he writes about unconfessed sin when I kept silent about my sin my body wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer Does that describe any of you? Is there something that you really need to address? Some sin in your life that you really, you've got to face up to it and confess it to God and to whoever you sinned against and repent? You will not move forward. Your growth will be stunted until you do. And you who this applies to, you know who you are. You know that still, quiet voice that just will not leave you. Pointing out that sin that needs to be dealt with. 1 John 1.9 will be important for you. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You need to pray to God to reveal to you what sin is in here that I've just not dealt with. Pray that He will enable you to repent. Enable you to confess to Him and just whoever else that sin has affected. So you can move forward. He will cleanse you of it. I want to read you one other passage here in Ephesians. I know some of you think I owe you a couple of minutes since I went over so much last week i are not getting them, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> Told you I'm not for you anymore. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 22. Paul writes again: In reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of the sea. That you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self in the likeness of God, which has been. Created in righteousness and holiness and truth. The whole Christian life is shedding your old self like a snake sheds its skin. Shedding your old self and from the inside putting on the new self. Shedding those old sinful ways. And then it goes on here. You can read in Ephesians 4. It goes on to talk about a lot of what these sins might be. It talks about words. Some of us, we've got to deal with how we use our words. It is a huge pocket of sin in our life. Maybe we know or maybe we don't.
1: Some of us are using our words to
0: destroy people. Using them deceitfully, using them in a a gossip sort of way. Just tearing the the church apart. I think there's a huge pocket of sin in our church, honestly. It's how we use our words. It says in here, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Are your words giving grace to those who hear? Are they needful in the moment? Are they appropriate? This This is big. And you're going to have to lay this aside. You're going to have to disentangle yourself from this to move forward. Maybe it's not words, maybe it's bitterness. Bitterness will destroy you. It won't just keep you from moving forward. It will absolutely destroy you. If you're here and this is you, you basically have two options right now. You can nurse the bitterness, the grudge. And in so doing, you will become increasingly inwardly focused. And then you'll become increasingly selfish, basically, because you're putting yourself pretty much at the center of the orbit of your life. Which will eventually just lead you to just be depressed because you don't belong at the center of your life. And eventually you'll, just, you'll be a bitter person. And people won't want to be around you because you'll leave a bitter taste in their mouths. I've seen this happen to people before my eyes. They, they are just mutilated by bitterness. And so you just don't want you to be around them anymore. Let it go here and now. What, what, if, what, has, what has happened to you that you're not letting go? Who has sinned against you? It may be very legitimate that you're not forgiving. We're entering a new year, a new decade. It's time. It's time right now to let it go. Don't let it destroy you. Pray for God to replace that grudge, that unforgiveness, with grace and forgiveness. So that it doesn't destroy you. And there's so, much, there's so much more that I can talk about. I'm, I'm, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is revealing to you what it is for you. I'm getting clear on what it is for me. I'm praying that the Spirit is clarifying for you what it is. And as you stay in His Word, He will reveal it to you. In New York, uh, I guess it was last week, I'm not sure when they did it. But they had what they called, it was the third annual Good Riddance Day. Has anybody heard of this? It's before New Year's Third annual Good Riddance Day They brought out giant paper shredders And they had giant dumpsters there And people would just come and just dump What they did not want to carry with them Into the New Year People were bringing old love notes From from ex-boyfriends and shredding them Pictures, shredding them Pink slips, shredding them This is your Good Riddance Day I don't have a shredder here but in a moment we're going to sing our, our final song. And after that we're going to come forward and we're going to, those who are able, come forward. We're going to hold hands and we're going to pray for some of these folks who desperately need prayer in our church. During this final song, that's your time. Do some work with God. Lay these things down. <coughs> Don't carry them with you into this new year. I'm going to say, again, I hope I hope that you're taking this in the right spirit. I'm not trying to guilt you about anything. I'm not trying to lay an extra burden on you something you've got to do. I'm inviting you to just lay down what it is that is weighing you down. Keeping you from moving forward into a vibrant, joyful life of pursuing Christ. Jesus said, come to me, you People who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me. Take my burden on it. It's easy. It's light. That's the transaction I'm hoping to take place this morning. So I'm going to pray for you. And then as we sing this song. Just really do some business with God. It's between you and Him.
1: And I'm here for you to talk
0: to somebody about it. Get some accountability about it. I'm right here. Feel free to come use the prayer bench. Or do your conversation with God in your pew. But let's forget, let's leave behind, let's let go, so we can all proceed forth together. Let me pray for you before we sing. Father, I pray that you would search our hearts, reveal to us the regrets, the fear, the sin, whatever it is, the the areas of faithlessness, of doubt, whatever it is that is hindering Each individual here from moving forward, from pressing on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Please reveal that to them with clarity. And please enable them to lay it down. We need your help to do this. Please enable us to lay these things down. Please replace it with what we need to press
1: on. And we cry out for your help this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray.